Good morning and welcome. Happy Monday, the Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. For over two decades, we've been right here. Monday through Friday, our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The physical delivery of wealth insurance. Legal, lawful, constitutional tender. You know that old piece of paper seemingly having more and more relevance every single day. The website at allamericangold.com, where you just got to make it part of your favorites. Uh, you can shop online there. You can uh, read about our medals program, physical delivery IRAs, all that stuff. All that stuff is out there. When I say IRAs, it's not IRAs at home. Okay, that, that's the, well, I'm going to call it a scam. Other people will say something else. Uh, I don't recommend it, and I won't do them. Uh, but nonetheless, if you want a hard assets IRA, we can help you do that as well. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Uh, my kids' football teams are still in the high school playoffs. They are now in the semifinals. I know you all care about that. Uh, we got a Facebook question again. If you want to ask this question, apparently people want to ask stuff. Now they got away without having to call. Uh, if you want to uh, ask us a question on Facebook or, or Twitter. We'll try to answer it. I'm going to uh, do my best to do that again today. Uh, if you need to find the link to that, it's out on our website. You can friend us or like us, or I'm not even sure what the terminology is. But nonetheless, uh, we'll be getting to that today. It's going to be nine. I think it's going to be 90 degrees today. Yeah, it's warming up again. Uh, get the golf clubs out. Great golfing weather anyway. A little hotter than I would like. But, you know, one thing that happened this weekend, and I didn't think about it last weekend. Do you know it is $10 per person, man, woman, child, okay, to watch these high school football games? Uh, the in the state tournament, the, the AIA here in Arizona, uh, they run the tournament. And they now charge $10 a person. So me and my wife, that's 20 bucks a game. Thankfully, they, they have uh, my freshman son is suiting up with the varsity. He doesn't play, but he gets to suit up. You know, he's, he's one of those kids that they, they think he's going to be a good player down the road and uh, reward him. Otherwise, it costs me 30 bucks. And, you know, they play until you lose. Well, you, you can play four times. Eighty dollars uh, for you and your wife. Heaven forbid you want to have your son or your daughter or or multiple sons or daughters go to these games. I mean, you could be shelling out easy forty bucks for you, your wife, and your two kids to watch a high school football game. And then if you wanted to watch them every week, I mean, you, know, you could be you know an extra hundred, two hundred bucks a month for uh, a high school football game. And I'm just thinking. How did it get this expensive? Even a regular game, a regular game that it's not an AIA game, it's it's five dollars. I remember when I was in high school, it was two dollars. Uh, that now it's uh, ten dollars per person uh, to watch a high school football game, and and I was thinking at the same time. So this weekend, right? The, the my one son's got a birthday party. My other son's got a. Uh, 
wants to go out with his buddies. And my parents, if I said, hey, can I get some money? You know, they, they'd hit me for like five bucks. Now now it's 20. You know what I'm thinking? 20 bucks and, and a birthday. And all that. Now that's 40 bucks. And it's just, and, and it's all these little things that you really don't think of. But now, it, it, you know, it's just something where, hey, what, what was a couple of bucks or five bucks is now 10 bucks or 20 bucks. And it's amazing how quickly all of these things add up. And, and as I was, and the only reason why I thought about it is my wife, we drove two cars. Uh, and then because she had things to do, I had things to do, and we, and we met at the field. She only had $8 on her. And she couldn't get into the game. <laughs> Which was kind of funny. And she's standing out there, one of our friends, uh, uh, ended up helping her out to get into the football game. But, yeah, yeah, just amazing, all of the things that you you notice and don't notice. Uh, that was this weekend. That's what uh, we did this weekend. But we're going to talk about, like I said, we had a Facebook question, pension problems. Again, we've got a new state, a new city with problems. We've got tax cut problems again. Uh, once again, the 401k issue comes up in Congress, and is there going to be a pension bailout that no one seems to want to talk about? And I'm going to already tell you the answer. The answer is yes. <laughs> I don't know how else they're going to do it. How many hundreds of billions of dollars is it going to cost? That part I don't know. But there is legislation circulating uh, about a pension bailout. And this one, not this isn't a bailout of your city, uh, your, your local, your state pensions. No, 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 no. This one has to do with public corporations. Uh, of course, we have the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. We haven't talked about them in a long time. They're broke. Uh, and they're trying to to come up with a way that'll allow some of these companies that pensions are going to go under to borrow money from the taxpayer. Patriot Radio News Hour. It's a Monday. Let's enjoy it all. We'll be back right after the break. on the air. We had this massive move in gold where gold fell like $13, $14 in like five seconds. Uh, it ended up being 60 seconds, I think was the official time. Uh, came back a little bit to the close, but still closed down like $12. Still had, uh, was up for the week. But somebody sold 
$4 billion worth of paper contracts. And I was laughing because right, right now gold's up almost 6 bucks today, taking it all back. But this is how how much it's gone to try to pretend they still have this all under control. Because this is stuff, they do this all the time. Right? And, and, and any of us that follow it, you know. And, you know, for somebody to sell more than the entire world's mine supply in a matter of seconds is idiotic. Should never be allowed, but they allow it. And it's fine. It really is. It just allows you to buy it for less. But they used to be able to do that for, you know, $500 million. You know, then it would cost them a billion, then it went to two billion. Now they got to spend four billion. And even then, they only got, like I said, they, they got, I think they ended up, gold was down, I think, 11 for the day, right? That's, that's all they got. And it was actually down a couple of bucks when they did it. So really, I mean, they, they got maybe $10 out of $4 billion. Uh, but But for those of you, because remember I said I would try to find out, uh, and it wasn't profit, because that's not how you take profits, right? If you wanted to take profits, you would have sold, right, maybe over the course of an hour or maybe over the course of three hours, something that that wouldn't force the market to go down, but this was just straight market manipulation. Uh, so those of you that were wondering, that's what happened. And I, I, I actually think it's a great sign. Uh, because this is how much it cost them to do it and how little they got out of it. I mean, if this had been, you know, think about 10 years ago, someone would have sold that kind of money. I mean, you would have lost 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Uh, now now you only lose 10. Uh, so that's actually a pretty good thing. Uh, but I did want to point that out. Uh, and, uh, well, I was thinking about it. So you had an explanation. That's what happened on Friday. And it was right at the European close. Uh, when the gold market was closing in Europe. So my guess is uh, it was a proxy through uh, European banks uh, that did it. But who knows? It doesn't matter. But that that was the what happened on Friday, in case you were wondering. Now, we had a Facebook question, and I'm going to answer the question that I think he was asking. So he was talking about uh, every month, we have the jobs report come out. Now, he said GDP. I think he meant jobs, but I'll answer it both ways because his question had to do with uh, the birth death model. Uh, I will say this. If you meant GDP, then, yes, dying counts in GDP. Right? Anytime someone dies, that's, uh, that adds to the gross domestic product. But my assumption is you meant to say jobs. Uh, and and last week uh, was the every the first week of every month we get the jobs numbers and I've to- told this a million times on Wednesday you get a survey number uh, it's absolutely worthless uh, because it's a survey number right they call up and, and and try to come up with a number and I shouldn't say it's worthless but uh, it's a non accurate survey number uh, they call that the ADP number. Uh, every thir- that's on a Wednesday. Every Thursday, you always get jobless claims. So we, on the first week of the month, you'll get the jobless claims. And we've talked about that number a lot. It's not your parents' jobless claims number. Because of how we, we 
do a lot of hiring today, that jobless claims number no longer means what it used to mean. Because it used to be, hey, that 300,000 number, and you've heard them, it's all 300,000, and I don't even know how many years it's been. But that usually was the indicator for the jobs market. Hey, if we had over 300,000 people filing week after week after week, that's a bad thing. And now it's down in the 230s, 240 range. Uh, and they're saying, oh, this is a great thing. And really what it is is just a change in the job market. Right? Because most of the jobs are, are part-time, and if you lose one part-time job, you go to another part-time job, and a lot of people have multiple part-time jobs. And so if you lose one of those part-time jobs, you can't file. And then, of course, it, the really the biggest change is all of the temporary contract, 1099, and all of those where you're not allowed to file for unemployment. You don't qualify. Uh, so that's on Thursday. And then once a month, the government comes out, and specifically the Bureau of Labor Statistics, with what they call the non-farm payroll report. And, you know, this is a very closely watched uh, as to what the health of the jobs market in the United States may or may not be. Now, like everything else, They've changed the way they calculate the numbers. The biggest change came early uh, in, in the 2000s. And when the creation of what they call the birth death model. And they had, again, this is an academic thing. And even then, I, I was like, I was okay with it. But now, in the especially in the age now of computers, you know, the Internet, Al Gore invented the Internet in the late 90s, and, and, and they were probably working on this birth-death thing for a while. But with, with technology today, there's almost no reason for it. Uh, but but they, I'll give you what it is and what they mean and what they were trying to do. What they're trying to do is, according to, I don't know who, uh, economists, the government, the Federal Reserve, pick a person, they, they claim that there's an unavoidable lack between an, established, uh, between an establishment opening for business and its appearance on the sample frame making it available for sampling. Because new firm births generate a portion of employment growth each month, non-sampling methods must be used to estimate this growth. Okay, now this is coming right off of the Bureau of Labor Statistics definition and reasoning for the birth-death model. Earlier research indicated that while both the business birth and death portions of total employment 
are generally significant, okay, the net contribution, in other words, when you, I guess, whatever research they were doing, when you factor in a new business and a business that's going out of business, the net contribution is relatively small and stable. See, and this is what they've been trying to do with all of these adjustments, with all of these changes in calculations. Right? They, the, the word stable, right? The Federal Reserve, the government, they want to pretend that there's no noise in the economy and that somehow if they can just get rid of that and, and create stability, it's wonderful. What they end up doing it's misleading themselves and all of us when it comes to that. So by definition, the BLS says, hey, this is a small number. Talking about the birth-death model on total employment. Well, let me ask you this. In the month of October, and I want to say the number, remember the jobs number, I want to say it was 268,000, right? Remember that. The BLS said 216 of the 268,000 jobs were created using this model. And it's not the only month. As a matter of fact, the, if you add up January through October, Nine hundred and almost a just under a million jobs were created because of the birth death model, which really is all of the jobs. So something that their definition says is a small but stable number is turning out to be the majority of the number. So we started to, to look into it since two thousand and eight. Okay, so this is. We had the crash. We're in the recession, the Great Recession. And this number, by the way, this is, and I want to be clear on this, this goes back through last year, okay, because obviously 2017 is not done. The number of new jobs reported since 2008 up until uh, 20 through 2016 was 6.7 million new jobs. Okay, 6.7 million. I think right right now we're at about now about 8 million. But 6.7 million new jobs created and this was uh Morningside Hill is the one that did want to give credit to the people that did the research. By the way, they now say that we've enjoyed and I, I want to say 90-some months of continuous job growth. Well, actually, that streak got broken, right, with the hurricane. And then I want to say, though, that we seasonally adjusted out of that. We we revised out of it last month, but I'll check into that. So the streak may or may not have ended. The unemployment rate, right, is the lowest, right? We're tied right now for the lowest since, what, the 70s. 93% of the 6.7 million jobs they say have been created, or 6.3 million out of the 6.7, were created from the birth-death model. 
And that, again, according to Morningside Hill, uh, the highly controversial model, uh, which is not supported by the actual data. Now, this is their comment. Uh, the details on over how 90% of jobs created in the past decade were nothing more than a statistical adjustment in some of the BLS models. One of the things that I tried to do and couldn't is I wanted to figure out what the unadjusted numbers were. Because I always like to think about, I want to know how big of an adjustment the government actually makes. And I found out, because I couldn't find it. And then uh, somebody else must have tried to do the same thing. They wrote an article a few years ago. I want to say it was in 2014. I found an article where they said, hey, by the way, the government makes it impossible because they they don't give you the unadjusted data. They only will give you the seasonally adjusted, so I couldn't even tell you that. But the answer to your question, uh, at least what I think was your question, yes, the numbers that we give out every month for the government jobs data number, that's the Friday number, does include the birth, death, jobs. So last, what was the last Friday, I told you, hey, we created 268,000 jobs. What I didn't tell you was 216 of the 268 were jobs that the government said were created, but we just don't know about them yet. Patriot Radio News Hour. We're going to talk about pensions when we get back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. I didn't leave the Democratic Party, Ronald Reagan famously said when he began his political career in the 1960s. The party left me. Now the same is being said by many former fans of the National Football League. Americans who grew up admiring NFL football in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s can candidly observe that the NFL has left them. Donald Trump, like Reagan, was elected with the votes of millions of former Democrats, and Trump did football fans a favor by using the bully pulpit of Twitter to expose how un-American the NFL has become. Behind the scenes, the NFL has already been pandering to the radical left for years. Entirely dependent on the liberal media for profits, the NFL cares more about maintaining its massive revenues than it does about American values. Halftime performances at the Super Bowl in front of the largest television audience of the year have gone the way of commencement addresses at colleges, where no conservative performers are allowed and no conservative messages permitted. Of course, Not all players and performers put their game or revenues above patriotism. Pittsburgh Steelers lineman Alejandro Villanueva, a former Army Ranger, gave us all something to cheer about when he stood alone to honor the national anthem and our American flag, while his teammates cowered in the locker room. This is not the same NFL where Pittsburgh Steelers owner Art Rooney ordered his head coach not to cut Rocky Blyer from the team after Rocky returned from Vietnam, where he was wounded in combat. 
That patriotic decision created one of the many genuine heroes who played during the golden era of the game, and Rocky Blyer caught the extraordinary winning touchdown pass in the 1979 Super Bowl. Today, the NFL is more likely to cut talented players in order to pander to liberals, as in the exclusion of the Bible-quoting Tim Tebow. Burgess Owens, a member of the Super Bowl champion Oakland Raiders in 1981, was a dynamic speaker at Eagle Council in St. Louis, where he explained how special the NFL was then and how different it is now. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. to the list of pension problems, uh, specifically Maui, the latest to have pension issues, uh, according to uh, the state of Hawaii. They were, let's just say they weren't too happy to find out uh, that their property taxes are going to face a huge increase as residents of Maui got a 52% spike in their pension contributions because of, well, again, all of these pensions. And these are all stopgap measures. When we talk about whether it's a, a city, uh, a state, uh, maybe it's a county, or maybe it's something specific like a, a teacher pension or a police or fire pension, they don't do anything to address Years out, you know, five years out or ten years out, they raise taxes by the smallest amount they possibly can, right, just to make it work. And then every two years from there on out, get ready. It is going to be repeated over and over and over again. And that's totally different than public pension debt. So first we'll talk about private the private sector, the government, or the, the private sector, uh, second, we'll talk about the public sector, the government sector, first. Start paying attention to the pension crisis that is starting to envelop the U.S. economy. This is out of uh, the Lombardi letter, in case you wanted to know where the data is coming from. Cities and state pension funds are all struggling, and they have more obligations than they have assets. Why is this a problem? Well, number one, they don't own a printing press. But if the pension funds don't have money, those who retire 
may not get any, right? That's a problem. It puts retirement for many Americans on the line. To provide some perspective, look at South Carolina's pension, okay? So now we're, we, we talked about added Maui, right? Now let's talk South Carolina. Throw them on the map now. Like I said, every month we probably add half a dozen cities, uh, states to, to the what I'll call the public side. As of June 30th, they had a funding gap of $25.5 billion. What's interesting to note is that South Carolina's pension funds earned a rate of return of almost 12% last year, which was huge, right? Well, think about the The stock market went up about 25%. South Carolina got 11.88. But the funding gap actually grew. And this is why I'm saying they keep saying, well, we can grow out and, and all of these pension funds say we can, we can do it with an 8 or 8.5 or 9% return. They can't. They said the gap increased to due to more retirees collecting benefits and the rise of the cost of living. Altogether, U.S. cities and states pension funds are underfunded by $3.85 trillion. Now, the source for that, uh, Financial Times. So if you want to look that up, the Financial Times, specifically May 15th, 2017, is where you can find it. You also have to keep in mind the demographic change that's happening in the United States. And I keep telling you, 10,000 people a day retire. And they're going to do this for 12 straight years in a row. So all the way to 2029, and I guess my guess is that's when the baby boom generation, finally uh, the last year of the baby boom generation, and I'm making that assumption, but 10,000 people a day are retiring and when you think about, we've got 21, 20 and a half, let's round it up, 21 trillion in U.S. debt, national debt. You got a Federal Reserve, they've got four and a half trillion of debt on their balance sheet. Now we find out cities and states, it's at four billion or four trillion. That number rises every month. That's the scary part. Just like you know, the only one that doesn't rise is the Federal Reserve balance sheet. Okay, that's supposed to shrink by $10 billion a month. I don't know that it really will, but let's say it does. The national debt is going to rise. What are they saying right now? They're putting the temporary number at $800 billion by $66, $67 billion more a month. The retirement in the state's number, you probably need to add at least another 15 or $20 billion a month on that number. And you kind of understand what really is happening all over the United States when it comes to the public side. So just today, I added two more. I added the state of South Carolina, and now we added uh, Maui, in, uh, the city of Maui in Hawaii where they slapped a huge increase in property tax. And here's the problem. 
That's going to get last about two years. All the things, all these fixes is about two years. At least that's the average as I see it. Then this one. Now you have, and this is something we, we don't really talk about, because most of us now grew up, at least like take for, uh, me as an example, I didn't grow up in a pension era. In other words, all the companies I worked for, none of them offered a pension when I started working. You know, and I entered the workforce, uh, you know, in the, in the late 1980s, early 1990s. But before that, most major corporations in the United States offered pensions. And when you actually talk to, and, and for the, I don't know why they came out, but they came out this year, the people that invented the 401k. They invented it as a supplement to the pensions that these companies were supposed to be offering. You know, when you think about just another thing that gets me upset about this whole big business and the tax cut and all the cheating that these companies have done and all the things, all the legislation that we've created to help big business and really the very few wealthy and, you know, of course, uh, the 23,000 on the Dow and all of that stuff. They never intended the 401k to be your main source of retirement because they knew. That's really risky and, and probably not a good idea. And also, there's no way you could ever get enough money right, to pay for what was coming. We're going to talk about another piece of legislation, this one dealing with the private sector when we return. Radio News Hour. I just got handed this. We there's an opportunity, and this is going to be a one-person deal. the The Bullion Bank has a backdated year of one tenth ounce American gold eagles. Those are the the golden dimes, right? We we call them the the tank of fuel coin. Uh, there's a one roll of 50, so they, there's 50 in a roll. You're going to be able to buy the roll. you got to buy the whole roll. Uh, there's only one. 7250 dollars for the roll. You're going to save eight dollars a coin. Uh, and the reason is pretty simple. Uh, they just ch- are charging less for this one roll of backing. There's nothing wrong with them. Because we asked, Lindy asked him, hey, what's wrong with them? And he says, nothing, but I've got one roll. He wants to get rid of it, and then everything's going to be brand new. If you want 10th ounce after this roll, 
everything's going to be 2017. And, of course, the Mint likes to charge a lot more for those. So instead of uh, $153 a coin, all the way down to $145, you're going to save $400 on the roll. So you get 50 tanks of fuel here for $7,250. That's it. There's only one roll. There is no more. 800 951 Listen, you better start getting serious. People, you know, and I know it's hard because the media doesn't want you to know. You need to get serious about what's really happening. We talked about the public and now the private pensions. The most defined, most defined pension plan. And this is a. Mike Shedlock, Mish, this guy is a, does great work. We, we put him on our website all the time. This information is available if you just look. This is why I said you need to have our website saved in your favorites. You need to go out there every day. You actually need to look. Because a lot of, 95% of the stuff we post up there, I never talk about. That's how much there is. They're nothing more than a Ponzi scheme, all of them. By the way, that includes Social Security and Medicare. They're Ponzi schemes. That's what they are. There's no assets behind them. Or if there is, the amount of assets comes nowhere close to what they promised to pay. Right? Think about Bernie Madoff. It worked great. Oh, yeah, 8%. Here you go every year, year after year after year. Until what happened? How did Bernie Madoff get discovered? How did the Ponzi scheme unravel? The answer was simple. As the market was crashing, people started withdrawing their money. And when the withdrawals got so big that they couldn't pay for it is how it got discovered. The same thing is happening, and it's happening to all of us. And I don't care. You can say, well, Joe, it doesn't affect me. I'm not a government worker. Or it doesn't affect me. I didn't have a pension plan from the private sector employer. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Because who's going to pay for it all? Plans are now unraveling, and the answer why is simple. More and more people every day are lining up for withdrawals. The number of retirees is mounting. Unobtainable returns, right? It doesn't even matter. Look at South Carolina. They got 11.88% return last year and went even deeper into the hole. Imagine when the the returns only two or three percent, four or five percent, how bad it gets. These pensions are supported by fewer and fewer people putting money into the system, and now there's a bill sponsored to bail in them out. These are public pensions. I'm sorry, private pensions. Sherwood Brown, Sherrod Brown. Sorry, Sherrod Brown from Ohio. 
plans to introduce legislation that would allow struggling multi-employer pension funds to borrow from the U.S. Treasury to remain solvent. (laughs) The bill co-sponsored by Tim Ryan, also of Ohio, not Paul Ryan from Wisconsin, is going to be introduced later this week. It would create a new office within the Treasury Department called the Pension Rehabilitation Administration. (laughs) We're going to rehabilitate it. There's no way to rehabilitate when you have more money going out than you have coming in, right? There's There's no return from that. The funds would come from the sale of Treasury-issued bonds to financial institutions. The pension funds could borrow for 30 years at low interest rates. Of course, until interest rates start rising. One restriction for borrowers is they could not make risky investments. (laughs) Okay, we're going to let you borrow money to try to invest it somewhere where you can somehow make money because you borrowed it at so little. That's their plan. The bill would also fund the program at the Pension Guarantee Corporation. By the way, is also failing. We're going to talk about who's in trouble and how bad it is when we return. Radio News Hour final segment. Still got that roll of tenth. Listen, this has been a great two weeks. Uh, picking up things at prices that are just sensational. This is another one of those. Don't let the day go by. You got to buy the whole roll. It's one roll of tenth. Uh, greatly discounted. Seven thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for the roll at eight hundred nine five one. Zero five nine two. Uh, we got news today that the whole tax cut thing is a mess. Listen, they already know. You know why tax cuts are so so hard, and why they're having such a bad time? Because they really can't afford any tax cut. Remember last week, I told you to listen to what Alan Greenspan said. You know, he said, "Oh yeah, well, give the corporates money, but nobody else should get any, and the debts are they're unpayable, and they're only getting worse." And now they're talking about a a public and a private pension bailout because you know when you talk about the pension benefit guarantee corporation, those are public companies whose pensions went bankrupt, and now the government has them, and so now this legislation really is going to let both of them and and their plan borrow more money. How are we going to pay for it? Nobody has any idea. 
And this is really what you need to get ready for. It's all getting ready to come to a crashing halt. Uh, did you see GE today, by the way? Uh, got to give Eric credit, man. I got to figure out a way to get this guy on the airborne. But he was here two weeks ago, three weeks ago. said, hey, GE is not going to make it. They just cut their dividend by 50%. And their shares are down another 5%. Because guess what they do? That's not enough. They need, it needs to go away. That's probably not enough. It's probably going to go away. Kind of exactly what Eric said. Uh, and, and you start thinking about all of these things. How are we going to pay for it all? 10,000 people a day. That's Monday through Friday. No, that's seven days a week. Every single day. So I know you know, the government's not open on the weekend, so Monday through Friday, you know, it's really more than 10,000 a day, Monday through Friday. But if you 365 days a year, 3.65 million people, give or take, are retiring every single year. And then you start thinking about the, the Ponzi schemes, whether it's the pensions, Social Security, Medicare, they're all the same thing. We've made all of these promises. And you know what? They know. They've known for decades, and now that it's here, they don't know what to do about it because there is no answer. Right? This is why I said, you know what? I didn't even say it now. Goldman Sachs, hey, listen, we're going to run a trillion-dollar deficit before 2020. I mean, that's going to put the number, what, 5% of GDP? Remember, you couldn't go above three or bad things were going to happen. In the next 10 years, it's not going to be trillion. It's going to be two trillion, maybe three, because you got the real number and the fake number. Uh, but, but either way, it, it's really a, a simple thing when you think about it. You know, the, the key for the Ponzi scheme is you need more new money coming in than the old money going out, right? We've now guaranteed for the next decade plus more money is going to go out than is actually going to come in. That leads to bust. Patriot Radio News Hour, 800-951-0592. We'll be back tomorrow.